Hello and welcome to the next episode of Lost in Criterion. I'm John Patrick Oatari Dorgan, and with me, as always, is a man who in high school's part-time job was being the passport to pleasure mascot. <laughs> That's me, just walking around with giant, uh, giant dozen... red, red, like two, what, like almost a meter and a half tall, like giant red pseudo condom thing. I'm not, yeah, yeah, not fully a Along condom. With... It, it's weird, right? Well, I, I, honestly, I think that was meant to be a penis. Uh, Do you think but, so? I was really unclear about that because I could also read no. it as like a stylized condom. Yeah, yeah, it could I be. I feel like if we could have uh, read what was written on it, it would have cleared up some of the stuff there, what was probably. going on. But it may have also just said passport to pleasure. Who knows? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I, I also enjoyed, of course, his associate with the uh, the man who does the talking with... Uh, dozens of inflated condoms just hanging oh, I off know. of his I, body. I really, I, I have to admire this advertising campaign, really, because uh, yeah. really somebody really cooked up something pretty interesting it's, there. Listen, he got street engagements. It worked. No, no. I am, let's be very clear, not making fun of him. It is working yeah. very well because those people are not going to forget that. Before we get into the movie this week, I want to talk about our Patreon. Okay. It's patreon.com slash lostincriterion. Over there for a dollar a month, you can help keep us going, and you get access to some bonus content. We do non-criterion film over there, and users get to, or supporters rather, get to vote on what movie we're going to watch. Usually I put together a list. Sometimes I let a supporter suggest a list. I've never actually had Pat put together a list. I don't know. I've, I've cut you out of this entire this entire section of the podcast. Okay. Uh, but uh, but I do I do consult Pat sometimes on the list. Uh, I kind mostly. of like it this way. It's just sort of a, every about once a month, something just a sort of a missive shows up in my in my mailbox saying like, right. "Watch this, Pat." Yeah. Uh, if you can in Japan, yeah, uh, which is mostly the consultation I have with Pat is whether yeah, or not, whether or not I can a get certain a certain choice uh, will be available to him if it wins. Uh, but anyway, we watch, as I said, non-criterion films and uh, a pretty great mix of movies over there. Sometimes mind-blowingly amazing, like uh, let's say Dog Day Afternoon or. Uh, well, we just watched The Salt of the Earth, which An is amazing movie. instantly one of my favorite movies. Um, sometimes not so great movies like Critters 2 or Ready Player One, but a good mix of stuff. And there's always a release valve. If I put together a really terrible list, supporters can vote for option five, which is always making us watch Kazam, the 1996 children's movie starring Shaquille O'Neal as a genie. Uh, a phenomenal movie. We watched it twice. Uh, it's fun. Yeah, it's but yeah, it's it's a movie. Yeah, <laughs> all that access, voting rights, and access to all I believe fifty three of our past bonus episodes over there is just a dollar a month for a little extra for folks who want to help us keep going a little bit more and can afford it, and we're very grateful to them. Five dollars a month. We like to thank people at that level on air. Thank you so much to Stephen Goldmeyer, Eric Coronado, and Chris Otto, our five dollars supporters. 
A little above that, we do something that I think is pretty dang special. Pat makes a piece of art based on one of the movies we watched recently. I get that printed up on a postcard, write a personalized thank you note, and mail that off once a month. We also thank that level on there. That is $10 and above, and thank you so much to Adam Speakerman, to Patrick Yako, Nina Bojnak, Jason Westhaver, and Michael McGrath, our $10 yes, and thank above you supporters. So much. If you want to see those postcards, you can head over to redbubble.com and search for Lost in Criteria and see the entire back catalog. You can buy them, uh, and you can uh, send them to your grandma yeah. if you want. I mean, Valentine's Day is coming up. Um, yeah, yeah, plenty of plenty of holidays. Uh, every month, send another postcard. It's what I do. Be like me. Yeah. Uh, again, that is redbubble.com. Search for Lost in Criterion to see them or head over to patreon.com slash Lost in Criterion to support us more directly. Either way, we thank you. And even if you can't do any of that, thank you for listening. Pat, this week we are talking about the last of the material on the Monsoon Wedding DVD. Yes. So, Mirinaire's uh, 2001 film Monsoon Wedding was released as spine number 489, but Criterion also put seven short films directed by Mirinaire on the DVD as well. Two weeks ago, we talked about Monsoon Wedding. Last week, we talked about the documentary shorts that are on there so far from India from 1983 India cabaret from 1985 and the laughing club of India from 2001 Mm. all made before monsoon wedding this week we're talking about the short fictional films that well (laughs) the short fiction films they are not fictional films uh the films do exist right so (laughs) they are it is it is artisan bread yes yes made of the the only the finest artisan artesian bread Artesian bread. We've drawn the bread out of the aquifers. And, uh, <laughs> totally unfiltered. Yeah. <laughs> now, Mirinaire's, uh short fiction films on this DVD include 1993's The Day the Mercedes Became a Hat, uh, and then her section from three different anthology films. Um, her segment from 11901, September 11th, a 2002 anthology, uh, on people's responses and the aftermath of the September 11th attacks in New York City. Uh, Migration, which was uh, an anthology, part of an anthology from 2007 that was a four-film series on the AIDS epidemic in India. Right. And then lastly, How Can It Be?, which is originally from an anthology just called Eight, which was put together as uh, a short film dedicated to one of each of the United Nations on themes concerning global society. Uh, they were the UN put together eight principles of the Millennium Goals, right? Yeah, um, and her film was on gender equality or a woman's right to express herself, and is called. Uh, how can it be released in 2008? So that's the agenda for the week. Pat, yes. which one do you want to talk about first? Okay, so I was wondering how you wanted to handle this because I can see a world where we sort of like try to go one by one or we try to identify sort of like <laughs> sort of a, do a sort of like kind of a close read on them and try to like yeah, kind of 
connect see themes. There's definitely a sort of it's not like like slap you in the face, but there's definitely a sort of um a sort of through line on her on her sort of perspective on the world. That yeah, shows they're up all politically all minded films, so, yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. but even beyond their political minded, they have a very sort of specific. I, I, I'm having trouble. I've been thinking about it since I watched them, how to define it exactly. But there's a sort of beyond being political. There's a kind of through line on the way that they address issues, and a sort of the way they sort of the way they narrate issues as. There, none of the none of the uh, the movies that we're talking about just comes out and says. Other than I guess um, the 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 one about the AIDS epidemic is the closest one to being like a straight up almost advertisement. Yeah, it's but, essentially a PSA, honestly. Right, exactly. But <laughs> so. at the same time, they all they all address specific message, like specific issues that are in the sort of public forefront at the time, and and kind of walk you through a story that's supposed to, I suppose, make you think about it in a different way than maybe you have before. Yeah. Um, well, I think starting chronologically. Sure, we can definitely do chronological. Chronological makes, is the way makes, I watch them. Yeah. And it makes the most sense because, to me, here's here's why it makes sense to me, is that it is the first one, the day the Mercedes became a hat, is the one that isn't part of anthology. Right. And it is... Also the oddball in that all of the anthology films, Mirinair was approached to do a film right. that would be part of these anthologies. Right. Uh, to varying degrees of her own control. Uh, it does seem like the uh, that migration, she had uh, more control over the overarching project than, than well, the Well, right, others. because migration— but, I'm trying to remember. Migration is—oh, gosh. now that, That's so the A type of Right, part. okay. Yeah, migration, yeah. the AIDS epidemic one, it seemed like they really just sort of like were like, make an AIDS epidemic PSA. <laughs> right, like, right, right, they just right, approached right. a bunch of directors and said, like, here, we will pay yeah. for you to work with a famous, some nice. famous actors. Right. And and you can kind of, yep. it, it has that feel, right? Had, that, it's very had that Gates Foundation money in it. Well, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, she brought the Gates Foundation. I was like, oh, here we are. Good. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, so so all of that. Uh, the day the Mercedes became a hat is the one where the entire impetus for it was her own idea, right? Uh, and and it is her own life experience and and thought process thinking to make a movie, right. not not someone saying, "Hey, you've had these life experiences, make a movie." <laughs> Um, right, if you want. Well, uh, this is this is her thinking. Right, and a bi- and a big difference there is also that she in this one, unlike the other ones, like those other ones, they she kind of explicitly states in the sort of explanation for it. Like I was waiting, they say they asked me to make a thing, and I said, and always in all three of them, she's like, if I think of a story or I find a story that I actually want to tell, I will join right, your project. Right, right. She inevitably, obviously, found them. And told interesting stories, but but like this one doesn't have that as a pre as a sort of precondition, like a precondition, right, right? Like right. she has a story she wants to tell, and then she just makes a movie. You know, it's different yeah. in nature, right? Right. Like she's not so, hunting for a story. This is just a story she wanted to tell straight up. Right. 
So the background on the story here is that Nair was living in Johannesburg at the time, South Africa, uh, when Chris Hani, the head of the uh, South African Communist Party, was assassinated. He was assassinated right around the same time that Mandela was released from prison. Right. Um, and Mandela was already presumed next president of the country. Right. Uh, the uh, apartheid was falling apart. Thank God. Yeah. Um, but with, with Hani's assassination, there was suddenly a... There was suddenly white flight, basically, in in Nair's viewing. She says that she lived sort of on the outskirts of a white community, and she could see a lot of people moving out. So she made a film about the political fear of the time that focuses on white folks, which is interesting. <laughs> it is interesting, but I I get. I've been struggling with this movie since I watched it to like kind of contextualize why. Like, yeah, and I right. kind of get it. I get it because it's the same reason you might make a movie about white flight with regards to American suburbs or something like that with this, like, in the sense that you can, like, sort of catalog and record sort of the that fear, which yeah. you're not necessarily supposed to sympathize with it, but you're supposed to recognize, like... I. In, go ahead. Like I, I I'm having trouble saying what I want to say. In my view of the day this Mercedes became a hat, there, I think that we are supposed to view the wife, the main white woman in the movie, as bad. Yes. As as acting out of an unreasonable fear. Yes. Now the movie does make hints of uh, violence, a traumatic event that she had experienced. Right. Uh, that uh, that would make her reticent to trust the community she's in. Right. Right. Uh, so you know it it justifies her fear. Uh, I don't. <laughs> I just I knowing knowing what I know about Mira Nair's you know having read up on her what I know about her relationship to apartheid uh and and anti-apartheid work across the world um of her relationship to India and and right. its history of colonialism uh I am surprised that she makes a fairly sympathetic view of a white family at the center of this narrative. Right. Uh, yeah. I wasn't sure what to expect. Yeah, no, this. me neither. And like, I and I'm not sure. I, I think you're both, you and I both are struggling on, on how to feel about this one, yes. which is another reason I want to talk about it first, because sort of unpacking that is going to, going to be right. a, and the, maybe and a honestly, longer the other conversation. Ones aren't nearly as complicated to deal with. No, like they're much no, more straightforward. Not. Uh, yeah. This one is definitely the most complicated, and I'm really torn on it. Like, I don't know. It's like, it is sympathetic. I don't know, man. I, I'm still struggling because we do know enough. We've seen a fair bit from her at this point. And right. I'm trying to get my head around maybe the idea that, much like the other movies, where this is early. 
But much like the other movies we are going to watch later on, which are all sort of like tangential takes on important topics. Yeah. That like put you in a position where like if you look at the other ones, and that's why I was kind of talking about them also as a group, they all sort of like skim the side of an important topic. Like obviously yeah. how how can it be is probably the – or no, sorry, um, not how can it be. What's the – Migration. Migration is the one that most – directly just like watches this topic the others sort of skim along the side in a really fascinating way and i wonder if the goal is like by showing the the people you would least expect this movie to focus on that the goal is to make you use them as a prop to actually look at the people that they're running i don't know it's very strange we are still we are seeing this family as, you know, we have, we are told that there was violence. Right. That someone had broken into the house. Right. That, that a group of people had broken into the house. That they had stolen some things. Right. And then but we this kinda... is also a walled community, a walled home of very well-off people. Yes, absolutely. Right. Uh, and the we see the interaction of... The child, literally above the street, interacting with right. with a uh, black South African child in the street who is uh, shown to be very creative, making his own toys, uh, apparatus, <laughs> everything he's got. It's very interesting. Uh, like he's got a half built like exosuit. <laughs> it's very yeah. cool. It, it's uh, it's a lot. It's like one of the. It's yeah. every so often you see that that kind of thing in a movie, and you think to yourself like. Really? Like, yeah. I don't. Yeah. I don't know how to explain it except for it's like this. This feeling when you like whenever you see a movie try to tell you that a child's extremely creative and they kind of right. go maybe a little overboard <laughs> because right. they want they want it to read well, right? They want the audience to be like, oh yeah, that's a really smart creative kid, but it ends up right. being like then he built an exosuit. And you're like, wait, what now? Yeah, yeah. it's very silly. Um, but you know the the son is like literally above him playing with his robotic toys and his remote controls and and this kid is in the street pretending to be a robot and having built his own robotic costume right right uh and that's that balance but the husband is not wanting to leave and loves his country and loves loves uh whatever his country is about to become and and wants to be there for it right, right? And then we obviously get the entire second half where they're in the car and the wife is freaking out as they drive through this funeral procession. But the funeral procession is literally not threatening them. Literally no, well, just see, and laying that, and, flowers on the car. Right. right. And, and that's where I think we get into something kind of interesting, like where it, it's hard to tell what the movie wants you to think and feel because right, like right. she's irrationally afraid. Like, yeah. And, and I, I feel that of the other three, the one that this one really connects for me with is how can it be in that they are both sort of just snapshots that aren't really trying to necessarily lead us to believe anything about these people. Right. And that's kind of what I was thinking is that like, I don't know, like, yeah, I, I agree. It's just that like, I don't know that if that's her intention slash if that's even technically possible. Cause we, you know, we've talked about like, you can't, 
it it, it she's created right. a thing here that's very like we've not really had to deal with very much with just like well this is very clearly political because like they all of her movies deal with some sort of political topic right but then by okay. making a snapshot sort of seems to also have the intention of not making a statement necessarily about that yeah. topic well but then on the flip side monsoon wedding more than being political is just about change and time marching forward right. right so this is also just a snapshot of a time of change too. right but keep in mind monsoon wedding is a snapshot of a time of change but it is very explicitly pro change it is <laughs> right, very right, like right. it is saying like change is the thing like deal with it like you yeah be embrace it or it will essentially steamroll you right like right and then and then to have the uh the black South African uh, 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 maid, essentially, in the household. Um, sort of, you know, agreeing with her white boss about, oh, these these violent people are so terrible. Right, right? but then, yeah, we, but, and we as an audience know, like, we, we have to recognize, like, we have right. no idea why, you know, does she believe that? Does she just agree with her boss because it's her boss and it's easier to agree with your boss than to actually have a, right. like, a meaningful political talk with your boss who's also clearly a colonizer and like has extremely right. more power than you have in society. And has also just gifted you something, right? Right, exactly. It's you like, know. well, this is probably just not an argument worth having. Or it's right. it's one of those situations where like she sees what's happening on TV and, and has like identified it internally as like this is dangerous and out of right. control or something like that. You know, it's it's hard to say about that. Right. And there are there are ways in which being a servant to the white minority would endanger her, probably. Right. Yeah. Life. That's absolutely right. Right. And that's the thing, right? Is yeah, in in other situations throughout history, right? Like in the people who end up w- even just working for colonization, colonizing groups become targets themselves. Right. Uh, you know. So. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not to say that she is bad for being their made no but you that it does she lives in a society where she needs money to eat right, right. It, but in, in in those same societies those people are often punished for their right getting their bread right via right working for sort of the oppressive group and so she has it is possible she is also worried about what's happening right like yeah for yeah. various reasons and then the and then the the grandma or whatever who is I just the grandma is the most confusing part of it because, like, I, the grandma feels like the most sort of I don't know, I really have trouble describing the things that happen in this movie. Right, it's like kind of weird. It is. The grandma's like supposed to just telegraph feelings. I don't know. <laughs> like, right. It is. It is part of. I think Nair wants us to to relate to their plight by showing it as a fully rounded out family. Right. Right. Uh, but. At the same time, I don't know. I'm reticent to having sympathy for people in I mean, their position. Me too, <laughs> right? and I and that's <laughs> and that's why I'm that's why I am struggling so hard. Is that like I don't know? Does Nair want us to have sympathy for them? Yeah. I don't. I don't know that she like, does. Yeah, and that ultimately, I don't. I don't want to see these folks come to harm, and they do not come to harm. No, but leaving. Which is what they are in in the act of doing. Leaving is the right thing for them to do. Right. Well, exactly. Now, 
leaving and moving, as many white South Africans did, to Australia, New Zealand, or Canada, uh, is not the right decision. Right, right. Because it's just further reenacting that same colonialism right. again, right? You know, uh, we don't need more white people in North America. Yeah, I <laughs> mean, more it, it's that, I yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's, and also, never mind, sort of, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It, it's just that, like, I don't know, man. This movie, I maybe it is meant to just sort of be encapsulated as a sort of snapshot, but like, like I said, the other snapshots tell you something about right. their feelings about the things she's snapshotting. And and with the exception of the child, who maybe you know, this movie certainly isn't trying to give us some sort of, uh, well, the children are the future and naturally overcome racism that is not a thing that happens in this movie no. right not that the not that the boy is openly racist to the other boy but he is uh there is i don't feel like nair is trying to say this but there is a part in how the kids interact where uh because that kid is really everyone else we interact with politically is through like news stories, right? Right. Until we get that big crowd at the end. So there's, I don't want to put too much weight on that character for the narrative, but there is a manner where if it's saying something, what it is saying is that the majority of South Africa is left to, build a new society with the cast-offs of the colonizers. I, yeah, and right? I would say that might be, to a certain extent, the the closest thing we get to an actual sort of political rhetoric in the movie might be the idea that you, like, in the way that these white colonizers are abandoning this place is sort of just leaving their sort of scraps and trash behind. You know what I mean? It's like, right. come take what you can get out of the place. And, and then like what you leave behind is your garbage basically. Like, right. Yeah. And, and this kid is leaving behind very expensive stuff that he has no emotional attachment to. Right. He's not begging that they shove it in the car. He's right. not sad that they left it behind. He gives a look when the kid picks it up and wears the cover of the Mercedes uh, remote control car as a hat where we get the title the day the Mercedes became right. a hat uh, <clears throat> he gives him a look but it's not a look of how dare you or you've you've stolen this from right me. well and the, but that's a, that's a whole that's its own whole extra indictment right it's like these are very expensive things for this right. kid are literally nothing yeah like, they are care. they are right. not important they are he is he is in a position where like like Adam, I want you to think about that from your own life. Right. I neither of us comes from a position where like I could lose something that nice and not right. like lose my absolute shit that we're leaving it behind. Oh, not a. You my, know what I mean. My parents would be losing. I know. Yeah, mine too. Like <laughs> their mind beyond, beyond about my beyond me. me left that yes, behind. absolutely. Right. I was not going to bring up my parents because like <laughs> the parents are even yeah. their whole extra indictment. Like yeah, it even like. Even yeah. if the parents well, are like freaking out, the kids should be freaking out. But, and that could be just like maybe just bad 
So like maybe they were making the movie and they just couldn't well, get that the is, kid to telegraph that stuff. Like the kids. That just is an interesting aspect her. of it, though, too, right? Because the husband is is in his words at least politically attached to South Africa. Right. The wife. I don't know exactly what that means, though. I'm a little bit like, where, in what capacity is he politically attached to? I in in the little speech he gives about loving South Africa. Right. 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 Yeah. You know? No. I know. And but I, like, but to right. me, that 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 can mean a lot I think, of different things. I think it's pretty hollow. I do. Yeah. I don't. The wife, though, is attached to her belongings. Right. Right. And to a to her sense of safety. Which is, she deserves to have a sense of safety. Right. I'm not. Um, but she, she's going to feel much safer in a place that she's not colonizing. Right. Uh, but, well, that's but, the uh, thing, right? Is that like she's yeah. attached to like stuff. Right. And 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 part of the reason why she feels unsafe is because somebody violated her sense of security around her stuff. That's true. Uh, whereas the kid. Has no attachment here whatsoever. Not to the stuff. Not to the country. He is not sad about moving at well, all. Right. And he doesn't. He doesn't talk about friends he's going to miss. He doesn't. Right. And I think that's important he, because he lives in this gated sort of. He's right. probably never really this, deeply. The yeah. thing we're seeing now. This is like a like a big leap because we're just sort of like take, extrapolating things out at this point. But like, it's it might be safe to assume that like. What he's doing on that balcony is the closest he's come to actually interacting with this society. Like playing with someone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, which I think is is part of it here, right? That all of all of the Africans we see, all the black Africans we see, um, are in community with one another. Right. Right? Everyone is doing something communal. Right. The kid is trying to do something communal and being rebuffed by by the white boy, but uh, whereas the white family is extraditing itself from the entire country and can do so because they have no community. Well, and so like, right? and, and that that's what I'm saying is like, I, I think we might be getting somewhere in sort of the analysis, the actual political point of it, which is like, in the end, they these people are removing themselves and. With regard, like, they won't be missed. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, yeah, go. Like, nobody wanted you here in the first place. Like, nobody (laughs) invited you. You weren't asked to be here. You can leave and no one will miss you. Quite the opposite, actually, right? I mean, like, in the grand scheme of things. But um, it it is like, it it might be the closest thing we get to a political point is that, like, but (laughs) even. And I don't know. They're gotta be, because even in their flight, they're they're like the way they function in society is to like commandeer the labor of a bunch of people to like get them out the door, and then they're like just moving the most extravagant bullshit ever. Like, do you need to bring the giant mirror with you? You clearly could just buy another giant ass mirror. Right. You know what I mean? Right, like, right, right. You could that. That and that's part of the thing, right? Is that like they they are still extracting every bit of wealth that they can out of this place on their way out the door. You know what I mean? Like they could just abandon the whole house, just leave it. Like they clearly have the means to not really care, but they do because it's quote unquote their stuff, right? Which right. most certainly was paid for by the labor of others. Like right, right. 
Yeah. It, it's just like, I don't know. Like, I feel like it's almost impossible for me to believe that there is no inherent political point here. And and that just because it's such a political topic and such a political time, it's hard to imagine. Right. Yeah. Well, hmm. What about an aspect of in encouraging viewers who might be predominantly white to actually examine what it is like to be someone who is forced from their home. And maybe the political right. point is to encourage sympathy for other people in this position by showing a white people uh, white people in this position. Now, I don't think that ever really works. Uh, no, it doesn't. I, and I also, these people that... aren't being displaced. They're leaving. <laughs> right. Like, there's a right, big, right, there's right. a big fundamental difference between being forcibly displaced and what these people are doing, which is yeah. running away from a place that they had displaced people, and then like you throw in the fact that like they're actually probably not in any danger, honestly right. speaking. Well, like, I mean, yeah debatable but like even then like you know they're <laughs> running away from the we place never, you colonize is not the same thing right. as being kicked out by the colonizers that's just right, not right, the right, same right. thing right so right right certainly i don't i don't i think i know i have seen work from near previous to this i've now seen a lot of work from near after it that all felt competent and I want to believe that this is competent, but if it is competent, I don't understand it. Right. So. Right. Yeah. No, I'm in the same. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. That's definitely a way to, to sort of what I'm mulling over in my head too is. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know. It's also possible that like, you know, people evolve and change in their sort of political understandings of the world. I would argue that even the next one might, uh, Migration is politically naive in a really pretty deep way. <laughs> like, uh, it, it is. It is. There's a clear. There is a clear sort of political growth progression going along in these these short films, also. Yeah. And sort of like, it's very clearly a sort of like, m- sort of in some ways like a modern liberal mi- mental migration kind of thing going on. Like, uh, as she progresses through things like. Maybe I well, don't know. I say that I only think... because, like, it seems like her dealing with topics gets more complex as we get further down the road. Well, the nine eleven one's the next one. Migration is two thousand seven. Oh right, it's, I got them backwards. I thought migration was before the nine yeah. eleven one. Yeah, yeah. So, so maybe not. Yeah, <laughs> maybe not. Yeah, that's that's one problem. I I, I had so, those reversed in my head. Because the right, migra- I right. think it's probably because like if the migration one were late nineties, it maybe it would, would make a lot of sense. Right. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, again, the migration one though is also most explicitly a PSA, right? Which right, p- right. it's hard to make what is literally intended to be a- and, political propaganda in a complex way. Right, you and have to limit whatever how that goes. Whatever creative control she may have had, uh, any neoliberal tendencies within migration. I think we can safely chalk up to the fact that it's paid the for money the behind Gates it Fund- is the Gates Foundation. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, right? So, they expect very yeah. specific output, which is very much... Yeah. Right, right, like, right. Yeah. 
and you know, I I get, I get, I get where a lot of that comes from, right? Because like, not to like move on from this movie, but like, well, maybe it's time. Yeah, so, we haven't really gotten anywhere on it because I can't, I can't <laughs> dissect it. I don't understand why this movie needed to exist. To exist. Yeah, yeah it doesn't feel like it's why, saying anything useful. But why Nair particularly felt compelled to tell this story? And, and uh, it's possible that like you know. I guess we have this sort and she, of... She, she was an outsider living in Johannesburg at the time. So right. that's one reason, right? She right. was there. Right. But... I think you and but, I have a specific thing where, like, what what we end up reading as... How do I, how do I start this sentence? We lo- have a tendency to try to look for what movies are politically trying to say. Right. With the understanding that there's no such thing as a non-political work. Right. Uh, but people who make movies don't necessarily approach things with conscious political biases in mind. What I mean is like every every work expresses some personal bias and some political leaning in its output, but not necessarily every creator goes in saying, I want to tell this kind of political tale. You know what I mean? A lot of times they right. go in like, hey, wouldn't that be a cool idea? And what we find is that like what they identify as a cool idea and what they and what ends up coming out is political and does have these things in them because they have to they're made by humans but but they didn't necessarily the author themselves didn't necessarily approach it that way and so as such we can probably safely say that Nair didn't necessarily approach this with a specific political goal in mind and so what we're looking for is what was expressed in the actual output that she didn't necessarily have in mind when she made it and we're getting confused because it doesn't seem to track super well with what we know about her otherwise. Right, right, right. And so what I'm what I'm saying is we have to be careful. Like, I don't think I think you're right. She just wanted to make a snapshot of this interesting thing she saw happening. Right. Yeah. What that says, but what actually came out, we're confused by because it's like right. it seems to be I almost mean, it, political, antithet- politically antithetical to other things she right we've seen from her. Which is, you know, gets back to me to one of the first things I said, where it is, it is about a family whose identity is changing inside a political system that is changing, right? And that is also a theme that is in right, Monson right, Wedding, right. and certainly a theme that is in uh, India Cabaret, and certainly a theme that we see in the Nine Eleven one in a very different way, right? In the Nine yeah, Eleven yeah. one, certainly, but but that is a theme that exists in her work. This one is just the least political, <laughs> the least, the least trying to say something. Yeah. Uh, the least. Well, yeah. yeah I mean, the, least other, the other movies to make we point, watch are very right? are much more like very on purpose politically, like right, like making a political state statement. Yeah. Whereas this one doesn't. Definitely and, saying stuff. It's just not maybe not as much on purpose. Right. Right. To move on to the next one chronologically, certainly. The September 11th one is saying something. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The September 11th one was an interesting experience. Yeah. Because I, up until we get to the mom's speech at the end, I thought it was going to be more straightforward than it was. Okay. The only, because like the narrative around this person is that that classic like oh well we need to keep in mind that they're like 
that very, very neoliberal, like, that sort of like, oh, and because of him, they carved out this clause in the Patriot Act, this nightmare legislation that's meant to protect right, Muslims. Right, right. It's like, it's that, like, it's the, like, well, we've, there are some, that kind of like, there are some good ones kind of narrative, right? Like, right, right, right. And of course, you know, the story, and this is, this is a fictionalization. This is the most documentarian, I think, of any right. of them. Uh, but it is a fictionalization of uh, the actual story of right. Salman Hamdani, uh, who was a Pakistani-American man uh, living in Queens, who on the morning of September 11th left home to go to uh, where was he headed? I think to the university. To uh, I can't Columbia, remember. I think like, they said I got a little uh, bit confused because like and, they he ends up going. Towards the the, the, the Twin Towers home. He goes to Ground Zero and disappears. Uh, And in the time between when he disappeared on September 11th and when his body was found in the North Tower uh, in October, so 45 days after the attacks, in that time... I'm sorry. No, his body was found in October, but uh, not 45 days later. 45 days later was when the Patriot Act got, got right. signed, it turns out, because uh, that was way too fast. Uh, but uh, in the in the time it took to confirm that he was there and what he was doing there is still speculation, but we can right. assume positively because we're going to. Uh, right. Right. Uh, News and and in particular we see tabloid news in the movie, uh, but but non tabloid news in if if there was such a thing as non tabloid news in America Doesn't in exist. late September two thousand one, uh, <laughs> I'm not sure that there was, uh, I mean, but never. but certainly uh, they pick an actual tabloid uh, to portray. Anyway. Hamdani in disappearing is painted as a suspected terrorist. Uh, whether or not he was ever actually suspected by the FBI, who knows? Uh, and maybe right. he was, maybe he wasn't, and everyone was. Uh, uh, well, no, that's not no, everyone. Not, that's not, uh, not, not an accurate yes. statement. Let me be particular. Let me be, say everyone from his community. Certainly, all Muslims were. Uh, all Muslim men were assumed to be terrorists in in September two thousand one by the vast majority of a. Uh, non-Muslim Americans. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So, uh, t- unfortunately, uh, yeah. And I'm sure that my hands are not clean in that either. Uh, I was 17, 16, and living in yeah, we, middle we nowhere, lived in Ohio. A, absolute so, land like, of this yeah. kind of crap. Uh, yeah, but uh, I guarantee... There certainly, there were Muslims in our community who also felt unsafe, and oh, for sure, uh, and uh, you know, I, I cannot remember any particular particularities of me or you making Muslims in our community feel less safe, but also, for me right. personally at least, no instances of me making Muslims in my community feel more safe, right? Right, uh, yeah. Anyway, 
Hamdani was accused of being a terrorist by the media, maybe by the government, uh, generally by... I mean, the government thought everybody was The guy's name. Every, every right. Muslim was a terrorist. Right, so right, right. Like, that wasn't this just is... the community that thought that. The government right. also thought that. Yeah. And the, you know, the way the FBI has, has and the American intelligence community in general, uh, changed after 9-11 is bad. Uh, hmm. Not that they were great before, but they have... Yeah, they but have torn, yeah, definitely... They have turned not, not, pretty not solidly... Sure. Yeah, they have turned pretty solidly toward a uh, a main modus operandi of entrapment. I'll say. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Absolutely. So, uh, one of... Yeah. Uh, yeah, I won't. I won't talk anymore about that. But in any case, Salman's assumed missing from his family. They have no idea where he is. The media is speculating that he's in hiding because he is a terrorist. Uh, obviously, timing does not work out that he could have been on one of the planes. Well, see, no that's, one's a, that's the him interesting of that. thing is like, so, you, we, we said like, oh, we don't know what the government thought. <laughs> but like, there's no way the media would have gotten a hold of this guy's story otherwise. Right, right, right. Like it has to be a government leak thing, right? Because right. like, where, 100%. where, how's the media gonna identify this one random dude in the middle of this giant ass city as like the one who's mi- like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, she's putting up missing posters, but I don't know if you've noticed, there's a lot of missing posters and a lot of missing right. people in America at all times. Right. And particularly in New York City right. in those two months. Right. And so like the idea that they would latch on to the that the media apropos of nothing would latch on to like i don't have a lot of love or faith in the media especially not at the time at this time yeah uh but like the idea that they would just randomly pick this one dude this isn't like this isn't even twitter verse america where like people can become the main characters of the internet for a while like this is pre like somebody had to push them down that road and i think the most likely candidate would be the government right like, yeah. we'll demonize this person in the press before we find him because that's the easiest way to, like, m- get what we want, right? Like, Now, if if the hum- uh, if his family was contacting media about him being missing, I could also see the New York yeah, Post no, I, just no, I know what you're saying, and I, and I get that. And I, uh, I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm, I'm just saying that, like, there's, the media had to have been contacted by so many people at that time, right? So many yeah. people had to be calling, like, and he's certainly not the only Muslim person missing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, because there were Muslim people working in the Twin Towers. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's not like this is the only call that the media ever got. It, it's, well, it, I just have to believe it's a it's a government thing. I just have to believe it. So, so one aspect that the movie doesn't, necessarily get explicitly into um kind of but not not to the particulars um his mother believed because the alternative was that their their first thought was he had emt training he went to help right and he died then their hope in as much of it as a hope that he is not dead. The only alternative they could think of was he has been arrested. 
Right. Yeah. Being... No. Yeah. Yeah. But so like, yeah, she wrote to government officials, including the White House, looking for him, asking right. for help in finding him. Um. So. Maybe, yeah, maybe maybe she I, I don't know I, she I, put them she put the family in the crosshairs I guess maybe but uh, I but I wouldn't I but in I'll, any yeah, case like it's a, that no, that, that that explains how he would have come to the government's attention I think uh, but also I believe that you know the the U.S. government trying to make a a very thorough investigation of everyone who was in the towers would be a thing that was actually done right right so. and then also if you combine it with the like <laughs> well we we like we as the government are going to comb through all of the missing person reports to identify anybody quote unquote identify anybody who might be identified <laughs> right, as missing right, right. who's actually a, like could have been yeah. involved oh boy like all of our all of our racist alarm bells went off when we encountered right, like right right was was every Muslim American who was on yeah. that missing persons list a suspect? I would almost guarantee that that is right. true. Right. Someone someone was going around their neighborhood tearing down their missing person flyers and putting up fake wanted posters about Right. Him. So that's, I mean, it could also uh, be like, a, it could be a third party, like just right person, like reactionary so person who's yeah, like free. There are like, things. You know, there's a lot of right. options, but Within like- the, w- Later on, film, we s- go ahead. No, I was just within the film we see uh, his mother having a positive relationship with their neighbor, and then that neighbor going on local TV and saying, "Oh, you never know who's living." In well, the yeah, they t- like right. it's that well, and that, but that's that part of that like sort of media demonization engine, right? Right. Like, right he'd right, watched right. enough news after that to be like, "Yeah, this clearly he." actually is a terrorist right and that like, is the atmosphere of right. of the era too, yeah absolutely of, of, and and yeah. so like it's hard to say but like you know it, it's just it's hard to say but like that that is the atmosphere regardless that's the atmosphere like that's the toxic atmosphere that was almost immediately created yeah at that time right so uh yeah so in the film the film the film ends it builds to a funeral service, which right. is very moving, and and in which the his actual family is in the funeral service. Oh, okay, they are they are there. They are in the film, um, whereas we have an actress playing his mother here, right? Uh, and she delivers um, the eulogy that essentially says. If I had taught you to be a worse person, you'd be alive. Right. Uh, which is, uh, yeah, very devastating. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, that, and that's uh, what I, yeah. It, it when I when I say that it breaks from the sort of like very baseline narrative around people like this during that time, it's little things like that. I mean, it is yeah. still it still functionally basically fits into that narrative, right. but it's things like that. It's things like right after that where she says that like America's sh- like right. flips the flips the like you're not a, that that sort of that that hero method messaging a little bit to say like yeah like no America's lucky that you, you know what I mean I, I, I right. forget exactly what she says, but she sort of flips it on its ear a little bit like like. 
in the sense that like the way that sort of hero messaging always works is that like this person died in service of the country that they loved, whereas it should be, whereas like this is slightly different and it's, in its right. way it's conceived as like, yeah. le- America's is- lucky to have you buried here. Basically right. is sort of the, is right. the sort of phrasing right. she uses. Yeah. There is. Yeah. This, this movie, obviously there being a, uh, uh, being Muslim, being a uh, Indian immigrant to the U.S. at this time, you know this is particularly about her fears of being othered within within New York of the time too, right? Right. Of the fear and paranoia of other people, um, and the fear that enacts in the people who are, you know, being paranoid about, right? Right. Uh, Salwin is. Particularly tragic, uh, in that he is demonized until we find out that story was false, and then he is literally lionized. Right. Right. He he is, yeah. As you already said, he is praised in the text of the Patriot Act as the reminder of there are some good Muslims. Right. right. And that and that we uh, all we all can recognize that is yeah just absolutely gross. Right. And like and. and and the movie Nair particularly moves that is gross too. Like oh, definitely identifies so like, it gross yeah. because and she's trying to sort of fight she, back against right. that. In yeah, this. she follows up. She follows up that mention with the next title card that says, eight months later, the government proposed that right. all Muslim men right. uh, yeah, 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 entering yeah, the yeah. country I had to be fingerprinted." About that. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. So she, you know, she's actually pushing, actively pushing. Uh, and and the mother in this movie is pushing that way too, right. in a in a little bit more yeah. subtle way, but still like. Fighting against um, the idea that, like, somehow her, her son is the exception to the rule or something like that. Yeah. Uh, the mother's fight is not over, turns out. Uh, reading uh, reading up on it, post-film. Um, so the memorials at the site of the Twin Towers are divided up. Uh, so there are... Um, their memoria, their, the lists of names are to victims and to first responders who died and uh, people who were in the building. And uh, his his mother uh, believes it to be, and I agree, uh, that it is rather egregious that his name is not listed with the first responders since that's why he was there. Right. Since he was literally uh, the term yeah. first responder is <laughs> right, an actual right. direct representation of what he did. But yeah. Right, right, right. Uh, so yeah. Um, well, it is, that is America. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's America, isn't it? It really, I don't know how else oh, to phrase boy. it. It's just, it yeah. is, ex- yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, that makes complete sense from everything yeah. I know about the country I was born. <laughs> Basic, yeah. So basically, his name's on the final panel, which is the catch-all for anyone who didn't, whose name didn't fit into whatever rubrics they used for the other panels, right? Uh, so, despite the fact that he was clearly at the North Tower, he's not included in the list of North Tower victims. He's also not included in the list of first responder victims. He's just in the just catch-all. Just an after. extra, like, and, yeah. and others, so, which is yeah. which is really gross. It is really which is gross. Which is absolutely, absolutely gross. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, 
yeah. I I am sure there was a time where I had heard the name Salman Hamdani, but I have not been familiar with his story. Right. Uh, so yeah, me neither. I mean, like, is... honestly, like, my my goal in life in many ways has been to run away from 9-11 as fast as I possibly could. Yeah. It was yeah. such a dark, uh, dark time right. in, like, the lives of my life and any <laughs> any other person of our age at that time. Right. Like, right. I don't – I tried my hardest at all times to not think about it. Yeah. Con- to contextualize that, in case it has not been clear, Pat and I were uh, – just starting our sophomore year of high school when uh in in September of 2001 so uh it was sophomore it year was, wasn't it or junior year uh it would have been junior year i think yeah starting anyway. june i can't remember we, anymore yes. i don't know how old we are or how time works anymore <laughs> it was, we were just starting our junior year in fact yes right. uh cuz we graduated in 2003 uh so yeah there anyway um yeah i found this to be very affecting. I thought it was uh, just phenomenal. I thought it was phenomenal. I'll, I'll put it out. Uh, this was possibly my favorite of the bunch. Yeah, and I would. I would lean that way. It is, it is hard to describe any of these as favorite because that because they are all dealing with real life things. Right. Um, describing it as favorite feels like I'm ranking atrocities. Right. Right. I know what uh, you mean. Yeah. So. No. I. But it, you know it is it is on a on the level of being artistic works as well, and I right. would say that this is certainly my um, sort of favorite artist, like just sort of work. Yeah, um, it, it is the one with the sort of like I don't know, sort of like clearest sort of thought process going into it. I would say, in some ways, like for yeah. me, like. Right, and it's obviously a very personal work too. Right, right. I think, and that, that I think that's a big part of what makes it feel so yeah. much more earnest than the other one. Like, right. it's not that the other ones are dishonest or like not good. They're just right. They are. They feel this one somehow, despite also essentially being like a work for hire in some some capacity, feels a more yeah true this is, to the you know right. This is where her phrasing in the introduction is for for all three of these of if I can find a story to tell, I will join this project is right. Yeah. Obviously true here. Right. Uh, right. And, and you just get the, I, she talks about how she found it, but like, it doesn't feel like this was a particularly hard story for her to find right. that she wanted to right. talk about. Right. Right. Something she'd already knew she wanted to talk about. Maybe. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, an interesting aspect to the project is that each of the short films had to be nine minutes and eleven seconds and one frame long for nine eleven oh one. Um, yeah, right. I haven't seen any of the others. I haven't but... either. I I yeah. I would be curious just because I wanted. I would. It would be interesting to know, but it also seems like they kind of operated on a like you tell whatever story you want to tell in this framework right so i'd be interested to know where they all fall politically how well, how disjointed or not disjointed the final product is politically speaking given that we are worldwide uh 
Each one is, in fact, I'm sorry, 11 minutes, 9 seconds in one frame. I think I said 9 minutes, 11 seconds. I don't know. I, yeah, I you did, but I don't know. Because, <laughs> it, because it is 11, it, you know, it is an international production, and therefore they use the international dating system, which makes sense. Uh, but we have Iran. Uh, okay. Which well, Clearly uh, you've already done more research than I right. have about this topic. Yeah. Uh, episode 1 is Iran. It is directed by Samira... Uh, Macalbuff, and is uh, takes place in in Afghan refugee camp. Okay. Um, when news is first breaking of the attacks, uh, episode two, Claude Leloche directs one about France. Uh, episode three, Yusuf Chahin, uh, directing about Egypt. Uh, we have Donas Tanovic. With Bosnia uh, Herzegovina, we have uh, Burkino Faso from Adressa Oridrago, a UK one from Ken Loach, Mexico from Alejandro Inuritu, uh, Israel from Amos Gatai, uh, India from Miranair, that's this one, a uh, US one directed by Sean Penn, which I'm sure is terrible, and uh, <laughs> and Shohai Imamoro directs one from Japan to finish out the set, okay. uh, which... Interestingly, uh, and perhaps not that surprising, uh, <laughs> Imamura's Japan uh, in the 9-11 collection uh, takes place in August of 1945. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So it is, yeah, and focuses on people talking about, uh, a, a couple talking about the trauma of Hiroshima. Right. right. So, yeah, I I am sure that artistically they're all very interesting. Uh, unfortunately, this project is uh, Miranair's shorts, not right, <laughs> watch right, all yeah, of the nine yeah, eleven films. Um, but obviously, a, a fantastic list of movie makers, uh, each taking different looks at what it means to make a movie about nine eleven as well, too. Right. right. So, yeah. Uh, Ken Loach is, is, focuses on a, uh, a Chilean immigrant who had uh, uh, in in looking at a different September 11th, uh, the uh, Pinochet's coup d'etat was on September 11th. Oh, right? interesting. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, it looks like a very interesting set of films. Right. And I... I would love to look into them, uh, but uh, but a bunch of nine minute shorts are really outside of our project. Right, in I a mean, lot of ways. it would have to be so, like a bonus, and even then, like I, I I'm interested. I mean, but honestly, I'm, all it really means is I'm just going to watch them, and I'm well, not going to talk about them on a podcast. Sorry. Right. Yeah. So, and then, frankly, yeah. I probably won't watch them because, as I said, like my relationship with. 9-11 has been and will right, remain right. like trying to distance myself as far as I can from right. that. Uh, yeah. So I, right. I, you know, I, and, and it's been relatively easy because it's not important here, even a little bit. Right. Like, so, you know, so. Yeah. So chronologically, our next one is migration, which as we already mentioned was a uh, Gates Foundation <laughs> proposal. Yeah. And boy, does to, it feel like, <laughs> feel like yeah, it was made by the make, Gates Foundation. Yeah. To make an AIDS awareness campaign for India. Uh, Nair was living in Uganda at the time. 
And her conception for this was that she would get a bunch of Indian filmmakers to make shorts that would be played before uh, before movies in theaters. Uh, and then somehow that fell through and they ended up releasing four of them together as its own anthology. Uh, and okay. this is hers, which uh, is partially inspired by, according to her introduction, partially inspired by a story someone told her while she was making India Cabaret. It did not come up in India Cabaret, but she met an AIDS activist okay. while filming India oh, Cabaret. Oh, yeah, yeah. She mentioned that in the intro. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah. So um, the particular story that an AIDS activist talks about is an upper-class woman who has an affair with, like, a flower salesman, I think. Uh, and turns out that that was a... Uh, 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 one of them had AIDS and gave it to the other, uh, and it became a a a point of connection in a spread of of AIDS. Anyway, that kind of works into what is a very wide yeah. <laughs> story here, right? There are a lot of different couples, and it's it's very PSA. It's it's very high quality. Right. Yeah, I, I mean it's well done. It's uh, well made. Yeah. I will say that like it, that that wideness, sp- like she's trying to show like the sort of chain of infections as a sort of drama. Yeah, which yeah, yeah fine. It kinds of comes out sprawling and a little just dis- like right. confusing and disjointed. Yeah, I would say. But obviously, with with an STD, it 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 happens, and with something as dangerous as AIDS. It would have to happen, but it does until we actually get to the moment that we reference in the introduction of our, our street, uh, street, uh, PSA itself, right? The guy, the guy giving the condom talk on the street. Uh, this seems very much like an, an anti-promiscuity PSA. Yeah, it does. It does. In a lot of ways. And even Uh, then, even with the guy... It still has that vibe, right? Like right, it, right. it has that sort of like he doesn't eliminate that vibe entirely. It has that very American, it's, like particularly with well, the tragedy. You gotta of the ending. do it, right? Right. If you just can't stop yourself, yeah. Um, use this yeah. giant meter and a half tall red thing. <laughs> with the with the way it ends, particularly with the. Uh, man breaking down in tears, having given his wife and newborn child AIDS. Uh, he is, yeah. It it feel it's a little well, the, the a little dr- didactic in the wrong way. Yeah, <laughs> I I agree. Like it, I I this is if we had to rank them, this is my least favorite. Um, yeah. and and for good reason, I think this one it feels very PSAE. It 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 feels like. It really feels like the crap we watched in high school yeah. when they needed to teach us about like when they wanted to like double message at the same, you know what I mean? Where they like, where like there right. were essentially two conflicting forces. There was the force that was like just that was mainly focused on getting the people to have safe sex. And then it was, it was in direct right. conflict, but also working side by side with the, with the force that was trying to get people to just say no, like, you know, just to be abstinent. <laughs> right. Right. And sex, and, sex ed in the Midwest, uh, 
even at its best was uh listen here's how to have say sex isn't this all annoying just don't have sex it's yeah, so much or, better or even like all right you dirty perverts like <laughs> you shouldn't do it cuz like i saw a lot of slides of stds let me tell you right, right now right 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 in right. junior high school and then and then also learned how to use a condom so it's like Right. It's very it's not confusing messaging in the sense that like you get what the priorities are. You know what I mean? But remember like, when I fainted in health class in junior high? Yeah. You weren't in my health class, but I, I fainted in I, health I, class. It was I was I was I was tired and it. hadn't eaten and had, had low blood sugar and fainted. Uh hadn't slept, hadn't eaten. I don't know why. Uh, but you were a junior high school student. Because yeah. I was a junior high school student. Uh but uh Unfortunately, it, this it, fainting it, spell coincided with STD day. Right, right. So, it, like, it, I remember being told the story by other people first of it being right. like, oh, my God, Adam fainted from, like, the STD talk. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but here's I the was, thing. Like, I was so out of it what they that wanted day. you to do anyway, right? Right, right. They, uh, yeah, when, I, provided, I provided a great, a great uh, uh, focal point for, for the discussion, I'm sure. Right. But... It it didn't help that the classroom was like mounted in like oh a, yeah uh, concrete yeah. like it was tiered but the tiers were made out of concrete so when I oh, when God, I fainted yeah. and fell Fainting out of that the room t- is damn yeah. near deadly that, I that. I happened I was luckily on the first step so like I fell out of my chair onto onto the first one, one time I fell out of one of those further. I didn't faint but I fell yeah. out and it, it actually damaged my tailbone and I've had medical problems since then oh, for no. the next 20 oh, years no. oh dear yeah like yeah. it was bad like it it so, set off a chain of events that have not stopped yeah anyway uh yeah that whole that classroom was a bad place to have health class it turns out uh but but yeah I oddly enough everyone seemed to have forgotten about that pretty quick I was never mocked for that. No, that I, I can think remember. Like, I like there's just yeah. I don't. know. I wonder. I think it's because people. If if I'm being blatantly obvious, like honest about it, I think it's because people in the, in our community were so like afraid to talk about the topic that was going on <laughs> right, when you fainted right. that even though people recognized the, the comedy of it, yeah. it would require them to just like talk about the fact that you were talking about STDs at the time. Yeah. yeah. That was just such a fundamentally uncomfortable topic that you you essentially dodged a bullet by the fact that like they yeah. would have to like mention the word sex a bunch of times. Right. To it was talk, it to was make my, fun of you. It was my first class of the day and like I said, I was I was so physically weary before I got into that class that I really don't even remember anything that happened during it except me fainting. Right. <laughs> like like even at the time I could not Whatever the topic was, I was going to faint during it. It just happened to be the right. most embarrassing well, one and I could and faint it's just, during. It's very, yeah, I just, it's very funny to me that 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 Midwestern way of dealing with this basically like made it people erase it from their minds. Right, <laughs> they right. were it's like, very oh, shit, like we don't want to. We're gonna have to talk about sex so much to make yeah. fun of this. And it's 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 weird because there, are, I can think of people who should have like been mocking oh, me openly for it, who never did. It's I very, heard it as a story, yeah, and then a, it never came up again. 
Right. Crazy that it didn't. Uh, I'm glad you remember it happening because yeah. the lack of the lack of continuation in it being <laughs> it made you wonder if maybe you made yeah. it up. No, <laughs> I remember. I made it up. I remember. Maybe I was so tired I dreamed that entire sequence. Um, but yeah, yeah, I didn't get any weird nicknames out of it. I didn't. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> back to the movie. Yeah. All oh, um, right, right. But like, it feels yeah. this doesn't feel that different from the way we were taught about STDs. As right high school students and junior high school students like well, it has that same vibe there are it. no there are no pictures of rashes in this movie so there is one difference right but, but this is the kind of movie they would show you as a sort of intermission right. or like at the beginning right. or end of that kind of talk where they're like where they kind of because you know there's a kind of like scale that they operate on where it's like they'll like where it kind of goes to the extreme which is like here's a bunch of pictures of gonorrhea Right, and then the low, the other end of the extreme was like these kinds of like pseudo narrative productions explaining how STDs ruin people's lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, like I said, it's but you it's know, a high it's quality, worth... high budget PSA. Right. It's it's worth... twenty minutes, so it's twice as long as any of the other movies. Right, uh, but yeah, I'm sorry. The oh, the, the thing I was going to say is that it's worth noting that the that AIDS was the one that we almost never talked about. Because of the yeah. connotations in a, in that part of American society at the time of AIDS itself, right meant that like they almost never brought it up. Yeah. Now it's it's interesting that the the story that inspired uh, Nira's story here, uh, and therefore her framing of it is uh, HIV as a class leveler, in that it affects everyone and can affect anyone, which is not accurate, but yeah. Right. Uh, of I mean, course. it can yeah. affect anyone, but what I mean is it's not a <laughs> class level in the sense. Yeah. Treatment is still not, and, uh, and, it's still right. class determined. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and odd that entire, the web, the migration of, of HIV spreading across this community uh, still ends in the rural poor uh, right. hospital yeah. uh, for the end of our film. Right. Uh, so it's not even actually shown as a class level. Well, and that's within... a, and, and even if you even accepting like like putting aside treatment, which is absolutely hyper class right. dependent. Like if you look at it like the way people segregate themselves into class structures in society means that it's it doesn't jump classes. Right. That like you know what I mean like this this one paints a very specific narrative. You know what I mean? This is a very specific kind of narrative with like people crossing class boundaries for like sexual and romantic relationships, which does happen, but is Yeah. There's people of the same class marry people of classes marry people in the same class more often than not and engage right. in relationships with people of the same class more often than not. Yeah. Um not that you know, I, my my point is that like Transmissionally, uh, sexually transmitted disease epidemics do tend to follow class lines in both infection and treatment. Yeah, uh, I. Yeah, that that wouldn't surprise me if it bared out in in real statistics that that were true. Uh, yeah, yeah. This film is, I I'm sure it is a success in that it accomplishes what. 
it was set out to yeah, accomplish. Yeah, I'm sure. Like, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, totally. Like, because when you're trying to do what they're trying to do here, which is make, like, wear condoms propaganda, like, yeah, you know, like, you need, I mean, I guess the goal at that point is to, the goal of trying to make it a cross-class thing is to scare people into being like, no, you need to wear it with your partner too, not just like, and and I can see that it, it makes a lot of sense because there there is a there are a lot of connotations associated with HIV and AIDS, like especially right. still in America that like would make certain people in certain classes imagine that they're fine, that they're safe, and don't need to worry about that. You know what I mean? And and so like you know your goal is to like kind of scared straight sort of everybody. Yeah, well, this I do think that one one way this film is more successful than other uh, other AIDS PSAs might have been, um, maybe not this late, but certainly in America in the nineties. Um, and this is two thousand seven, so it's very late for this sort of thing, right? But uh, there is. There's an aspect here where it is also destigmatizing right, by showing right. it as as portrayed as the class leveler that is portrayed as in this film. It is destigmatizing, uh, and and in a manner, we also get the destigmatization of a homosexual relationship within this movie too. Right, right. Um, though it obviously within the movie it, that that relationship is causing its own issues within this movie, but right. Uh, it is it is its own emotional journey that is not degraded for being a uh, a homosexual relationship, right? Right. So, so yeah, there's that aspect too. Um, yeah, I mean, the only thing I would say about that is yes, I agree, um, but also it can a little bit have the feeling like if you read this wrong. This is certainly not what Nair is going for. Let's be very clear yeah. here. But it's very easy to read it wrong as like you never know somebody you know might be secretly gay and that way you're gonna get AIDS. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not that's... that I don't think that is what Nair's trying to say here. I, but like We we started the conversation that. about this movie with a possible bad interpretation of it, and that is also a possible bad interpretation. And it's unfortunate that those are possible interpretations, right. I think. I don't think that's that... what the goal is. Right, almost certainly Very clear not. here. I do not think <laughs> yeah. that's the goal. I'm not accusing anyone of making a movie that can say <laughs> say that, uh, but I think in bad faith you could read this movie as saying that. Well, and 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 you know, and I don't think like creators should avoid making things that could be read in bad faith necessarily. Right, right. but it, you know. That certainly some people have read this in bad faith, I'm sure. I'm sure some of the yeah. people who saw this, like, had that thought in their head. Like, you know what I mean? Like, somebody thought, like, oh, what if, like, so-and-so is gay? And You know what I mean? Like, come on. It's it's human society. Absolutely some of the people who watch this thought that to themselves. Yes. So, yeah. There, were, there only ended up being four and it looks like they're all between 15 and 20 minutes long. Um, hmm. Anyway. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, so our, I wouldn't. I'm not going to go out of my way to watch the rest of the AIDS PSA. Uh, right, right, right. It would be interesting to see if the others are as directly PSA ish as this one. I right. I mean, yeah, they're, they're, you, it's one of those things where like, I have a mild amount of curiosity if I ever stumbled across the other ones. Yeah. Like, in in grouping all of her uh, fiction shorts together to watch, it is interesting that we open we open with one where we're complaining about her not being didactic enough, and perhaps the biggest complaint about this one is that it's too didactic. Right. Yeah. So, uh, she yeah. she just can't win with us. That's what that's what this is amounting <laughs> right, to. Right. Listen, she she won pretty much with with the September 11th one. Yeah. And and the last one. Um, which certainly isn't didactic and is more of a uh, a feeling response to her uh, to her proposition, right? She's yeah, asked no, and to make... I and I I like like until yeah. she told me in the say I watched the the interviews after, right? Yeah, and until she ex- like explicitly says what the like the the um whatchamacallit like the sort the of goal of this the goal one, yeah. yeah the setting of it the context of it was it was just an it was just an interesting story yeah um it it fits the topic perfectly don't get me wrong it, it's just it like it is i like how tangential it's not tangential it directly addresses the topic at right. hand but it addresses it in such a, a sort of uniquely obtuse way that like you wouldn't like immediately watch this and like ah yeah this is about you know gender equality in right. society like you know well, what you, mean? Would, you wouldn't watch this and say oh this is obviously part of a selection right, of that's films what I mean. about yeah. the about the un's proposed millennial uh <laughs> right right you yeah. would definitely you could definitely with a close reading of it walk away with the idea that like this has a really like is a fascinating analysis of what gender equality really means. Right. Um, but it, you wouldn't, yeah, you wouldn't assume that it was part of a UN like initiative towards yeah. like, investigating these things or something like that. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It is, it is a, our story here is about a, uh, a woman leaving her husband. Right. Yeah. And they have, they have a child, uh, but she is exercising her right of making her own life. Yeah, of self determination right? and like of self determination. And and, and, it, and it directly addresses the idea that that true equality means the equality to do these kinds of things. Too. Right. Right. That like that like you do, that you only have true equality when like everybody can do all of these things, including things that are just generally kind of shitty like yeah like she's a it's it's perfectly within her rights and she can do it like it made me sad right. it's meant to make you sad right but also it to recognize like, that it's perfectly acceptable that she do this yes this is a movie that despite its shortness uh complicates its narrative just by the nature of it yes right? absolutely because it it could have if the story is just about a woman exercising her right to choose when to be in a relationship and when to end that relationship, even a marriage relationship. Uh, it could have just been the couple, but right. the introduction of the children complicates the emotions involved and tells a more compelling story. Right? right? Absolutely. It's it's it is 
it is shockingly deep for how long yeah. it is. Yeah, it goes it goes deep and it it goes it goes really hard on its audience. Very like because but like, and I I admire that. I actually really admire what's done in this m- movie because they asked, she was asked to make a movie about this sort of element of those millennial that millennial project or whatever that I forget what it's called. Right. It's SDGs now, but um, uh, whatever the, the UN cooked up for the next decade or whatever. But um, and she took that and really made something. It could have been another PSA, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Right. And she didn't make a PSA. She made a really fascinating story that w- that on its own is interesting and and engaging, but in viewed in the context of what it's meant for gets just that much more interesting to think about, right? Right. Like, because, being told that's what it's about, you're like, oh, this is really even more interesting to think about. Right. A very interesting thing we see with Nair's response to these different projects is that with the 9-11 one, she essentially made a documentary, right? She she introduced an actress uh, to uh, play the star of what boils down to a documentary. Then with the second one, Migration, she responds by creating a sprawling fictional narrative, but making essentially a didactic uh, AIDS awareness PSA. Right. And this one is just a third compelling way to to respond to what she's been asked to do. Right. and it's interesting to group them together then, right? Uh, whereas uh, with this one, we see her getting what could very, very much be like either of the others. She could respond in either of those ways right. to what she's been tasked with doing. But she chooses a third option, which is to make a small, compact, complicated, emotional snapshot. Right. And it works really well. Yeah. And yeah, and like you, you, and really puts it really kind of to a certain extent throws that on gauntlet <laughs> to yeah. to the people who are going like in theory this project is meant to be viewed as a as a way of like talking about and engaging people in the topics that the UN is trying to promote here, right? And boy, howdy, will this make you engage in this topic as a you know, if you're like if you're a part of a, some sort of organization or something that is having discussions about each one of these videos, you know what I mean? That that sort of like as educational material or something like that, yeah. you're gonna have a discussion about this. I I guarantee that this is the most interesting of the anthologies. Too. Probably. I probably so, so the Millennium Development Goals, they each chose one and they were given carte blanche to do whatever. Right. But looking at some of the choices and pairings that were made, uh, Jane Campion's is dealing with uh, ensuring environmental sustainability. Okay. Wim Wenders does one on developing a global partnership for development. Gasper No is on combating HIV, AIDS, malaria, and other diseases. Okay. Gus Van Zant is on reducing child mortality rates. Uh, right, just Gasper No being in this list period is fascinating. 
Uh, but there are a lot of interesting choices here, <laughs> and it might be it might be interesting to to uh, yeah to I just mean, watch. Since they're all shorts, it might be something I do. It is not something we need well, to yeah, do we as don't a project. Need to do that. Yeah, I yeah no, I I'm just saying that like yeah, I you're you're probably right that this is the most interesting one, but you never know. Like some yeah, anyone at any time could take something and run with it in a really weird direction, like a really different direction. Like it it happens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it it is definitely it is definitely one of the two most compelling stories for me of this set of four that we have put together yeah. for this episode. Uh, yeah, how can it be? And and the September eleventh ones are are phenomenal. Uh, migration tells a complex, vivid story and shows. Uh, I really appreciated migration for how uh, visually stunning the movie still was, right? Right. For for what we were talking about, right? Um, and, you know, very emotional stories going on, even if ultimately they all boil down to something that is pretty straightforward. Uh, but, yeah, the day the Mercedes became a hat. I, I don't know. I don't. Yeah, like that one's going to kind of like – if I remember at all, it will be the right. sort of like the one. It's, it'll be that movie that doesn't. I don't understand why Marinara right. made it, <laughs> like right, right. or what exactly she was thinking. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And I, I hope that it sticks with me long enough that I might become able to come to a to an understanding of it. Right, but the problem. But is, I is, think probably I will just forget it exists. Yeah, me too. And, and part not, of the, it has not impacted me like the others, even the other three in this series have. Right. Yeah. And, and part of the problem of that is going to be the fact that like we're never going to watch Mirror again. Yeah, unfortunately, and, with and the so, Criterion Collection, right. we'll never see any Mirror again. So we may have little reason to ever consciously. Right. Look and, back and that's and that's its own shorts. sort of extra problem, right? Is it like right. they did the thing that they've done to us before, where they're like, "Well, we're just going to big up a pile of marinara stuff, right. throw it all at you, and you're going to watch it once, and then you're never like w- without revisiting creators on a on a occasionally. We don't ever have to do that thing we've done with some of the other directors that we see in here that the that the Criterion Collection really loves to put their work in right. where like we have to constantly revisit them and like recontextualize their work based on new work that we've watched that we hadn't watched before we're not going to be asked to do that here so it's okay well right. right unfortunately we have done all of criterion has to offer about up uh, from mirror in one three week set right. now I, at least we took three weeks yes and i of... think that helped not yeah. to not to get too much into sort of the sausage production process here but yeah. like by splitting it up we've kind of done what Criterion didn't do for us, which is like make right. us right. recontextualize over time. Yeah, uh, so, which is you know was a good idea. So maybe you know in in light of that, uh, do we have any deeper insights to Monsoon Wedding that I, we we haven't really covered yet? I think we've we've already yes, talked about Monsoon Wedding a little. Yeah, bit, we right? have, but I I would say that like as a grand scheme total thing, my kind of takeaway is that like. Mirror seems to like straddle the line between like p- 
pure like pure neoliberal progressive kind of thing and like some deeper societal like you know what i mean like she's not fully she's and we kind of said this during monsoon wedding anyway but that she's like she's not as radical as i'd like her to be right she's a very skilled director but that i want to be more radical it seems like she could very easily be that's what i'm saying but something's holding her back yes it seems like she's yes she's exactly and and that's its own sort of frustrating thing, right? That like, you're like, just just, just just take the one one or two more steps down the road, please, and then you will be maybe the perfect director, right? <laughs> like for it, for us. So, and it it yeah, it's just it's very confusing too, you know. And looking at looking at, I think I shared this with you after, um, after the monsoon wedding episode after we finished recording. But sometimes her politics are really, really out there and great. Right. Like in two, in 2013, she was invited to the Haifa International Film Festival as a guest of honor, and she declined in protest of Israel's policies toward Palestine. Right. And she said at the time, I will go to Israel when the walls come down. I will go to Israel when occupation is gone. I will go to Israel when the state does not privilege one religion over another. I will go to Israel when apartheid is over. I will go to Israel soon. Right. And that is incredibly poignant and incredibly beautiful. And I love that she said it. Right. Uh, and I, <laughs> the I will go. I will go to Israel soon. Is just wow. Yeah, and now she's about to make a series for Disney. Well, and, <laughs> and we like, talked about that. Like, yeah. I, at this point, if you're a working director, I feel like, right, right, Disney's just collecting working directors. At yeah, this you point. can't. You kind of it's all it's almost unavoidable, and probably maybe even something you don't want to avoid because if you avoid it, it means you're like out of work now because Disney yeah. owns all production studios on Earth. And I think there is something interesting to what she's about to make. For Disney, which is that uh, it is a reimagining of the National Treasure, oh, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. We film series, right? As something that is uh, focusing on uh, on one children and also on not white people and not, right. <laughs> and, not and, John and Boyd. I think, uh, and <laughs> I, I yeah. think there's a there's a certain sort of like. There's a there. You see this more and more where it, it it is, like well, like yeah. I mean, there's another conversation to be had about Disney's and the way uh, it interacts with like you right, know, and it's it's completely useless, meaningless, right. uh, uh, diversity, <laughs> right? That that it puts out. But also, if course, you're a director, there's a there's a that other part of that conversation is like, will I take Disney's money to go make yeah. something that is at least and saying something right. I want to say. I mean, yeah. And of course, sure. part of part of Disney's diversity initiative is hiring people like Miranair, right? And and saying, "Oh, well, we're letting Miranair make this series, right?" So, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. I mean, it it is it, that is a very complicated issue right. for for like sort of yeah. directors and and all kinds of artists, right? But like yeah, I mean, I my my thought is just like she's just she always. You're right. That what she said was very, very good and very, very radical, 
and I, it just seems like I we just need her. And this is it's been years since she made Monsoon Wedding, and so it's also one of those things where people change over time and stuff. Like, like kind of talked about, and then I was, and then you pointed out that chrono- chronologically that's not accurate, uh, <laughs> right. but like I don't know, like I I just like like a lot of directors that we encounter that are sort of in this ballpark i you feel so close that you're like just if you're just a little bit more right yeah i would have it would be that would be great people (laughs) people are who they are and i can't judge them for not being who i want them to be right right absolutely uh or at least it's not useful to judge them for not being right i mean i can but you know you're also you can have opinions right you can be like well i wish this i do wish this director were more radical yeah right and there are there are moments within just these four that I wish she had been more radical. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, and there, you know, there are obviously times in her life where she has been more radical. Yeah. Uh, that's definitely yeah, true. In other, in other works she has put out and, uh, you know, in, in other things that happen, uh, you know, there are, <laughs> this, the last one really is radical, right? <laughs> in, right. In in what it was tasked with being and what it ends up being, right? How can it be is radical. Yeah, it legitimately uh, is. Yeah, yeah. And 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 but that just puts you in that weird spot, like that weird headspace about like you know that this director can be that way when this director right. wants to be that way, <laughs> which yeah. Puts you, oh yeah, I don't know. Anyway. It's been fascinating to get mm. to know Mirinaire's work. I am very grateful that Criterion gave us this. I am less grateful that this is all we get from her and they've shoved as much as they can onto this DVD. Right, right, yeah. That, it, that, does, uh, that, that does feel a little disappointing. Yeah. For sure. But uh, next week we will be talking about a uh, Wim Wenders film. Uh, Wings of Desire uh, from 1987. Uh, but this week we have been finishing up the Mirinaire uh, periphery from Monsoon Wedding uh, with four fiction shorts from the DVD. Yeah, it's been wonderful, as I said, getting to know her work. Uh, I will have to explore her work and the other films from some of these anthologies that she was well, a part of. Yeah, I mean uh, it's on my definitely own time, something we could we but... could definitely consider maybe doing like in the future a Miranaire like list or something because like I would like to see also just more of her work. I don't I haven't looked at her other <laughs> there are other movies Wikipedia she's done that, that I think yeah. that I think would be very interesting. Uh she does a Kama Sutra film, but she also does uh one called Mississippi Masala. Oh yeah, I Which, remember seeing that, and I really do want to watch that. And it's yeah. sort of that. I, yeah, it'd be nice if the mo- if our project made us do that instead of me having to just decide to go do that because right, I'm bad right, at right, right. watching movies on my own. Indeed, indeed. Oh, hopefully next time you're on a plane, it'll be in the well selection. in the year thirty thirty five when <laughs> yeah. you know when I'm ahead in the yeah. jar. Right. And I get to ride on indeed. an airplane again. Yeah. Ah. Uh, Thank you so much for listening to Lost and Criterion. I am, as always, Liam Glass. With me, as always, John Patrick Oitari Dorian. We'll see you next time. Bye.
has been Lost in Criteria. I'm your co-host, Adam Glass. You can find me on Twitter at Glass. My partner is John Patrick Oetari Dorgan, and you can find him at jpatrickdorgan. Check out more of the show at lostincriterion.com, or hey, give us a review on iTunes. It's nice. If you really like what you hear, consider supporting us at patreon.com slash lostincriterion. Hey, our theme music is by Jonathan Ape. Check him out at jonathanape.com. And thanks for listening. We appreciate it.